Tonight, as we get ready to conclude our Christmas series, Simplifying the Season, we are going to be reminded of why Jesus Christ came. To conquer our sin and to set us free. You see, so often when we come to Christmas, we tend to crowd around the cradle and we get so focused on the cradle of Christmas that we miss the cross and the reason that he came. And we also miss the crown, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so tonight on the eve of Christ's birth, As you and I get ready to celebrate together, I want you to see the big picture, the whole plan of God. And so I've titled this message, Christmas Communion, From the Stable to the Table. For some of you, you're going to think, well, you just conveniently put two words together, communion and Christmas. But what I want you to see tonight is that they're tied together. They're inseparable. You see, for some of you, you may even find yourself getting a little upset because in your mind you're thinking, okay, we can't talk about communion. We've got to wait till Easter. This is Christmas and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And what most of us do is we compartmentalize our Christianity and we put Christmas into its convenient corner and we put communion into its convenient corner and we put the second coming, I don't know quite where we put it, but clear into the back recesses of our mind because it's not on the forefront of most of our minds today. You see, Christmas and communion are even closer tied than the old saying that we have, hand in glove. And the reason that we say that statement is because, guess what? It fits. They go together, right? But do you realize that we can do life and have a hand without a glove? Sure, sometimes it's not convenient when we're picking up rough stuff and the work's hard, Sometimes it's not very comfortable when the winter storms set in, but we can have a hand without a glove. And a glove without a hand has absolutely no function. But you see, you can't separate Christmas and communion. You know what Christmas without communion is? It's just another day to go shopping and spend money and buy stuff. Do you know what communion is without Christmas? It's just a snack among good friends. You see, you and I need to understand that we need both Christmas and communion. And what we are going to see tonight is not just the birth of our Savior, but our birth, a spiritual birth. To be born again, to become a Christ one. And so I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me, and we're going to look at two scriptures, one in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9, and it's on your programs, and we'll put it up on the screens, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, and then we're going to jump over to Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. Isaiah 9, 1, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Nephilim will be humbled 
But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army at Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Now turn with me to Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper he took another cup of wine, and he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus here in the book of Luke reminds us of the reason that we take communion. It is to remember him because it is so easy for us to forget Jesus, and especially in the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, we can make it about the traditions and not about the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, as he says, do this in remembrance of me, is saying, what what are we supposed to remember? And again, we compartmentalize Christianity because we make communion solely about that one time when he died on the cross. But is that the only thing that we're supposed to remember about Jesus? No, this is everything that Jesus did for us. You see, as we take communion, we're reminded of Christmas. We're reminded of that moment in life where where our Savior stepped out of eternity and into time. Where he humbled himself and took on flesh and made himself vulnerable like a little baby. You see, we're remembering the fact that he lived a sinless life. That he was tempted every single day and yet he never gave in to that sin. We are reminded of the fact that he healed people. He touched people with his life and with his love. He confronted the sin that he saw in people. He fed people. You see, we're also reminded that he was nailed to the cross and he died for our sin. But we're reminded that on the third day he rose again. But you see, the story doesn't stop there. That's, that's not where we stop remembering Jesus because the Bible says that he ascended and he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for you and I. And someday, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is coming back. That's what we're remembering. You see, we're remembering the difference he made in our past and our present and the difference he's going to make in our future. And you and I don't need the ghost of Christmas to help us On this journey, we need the Word of God, we need the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God to remind us of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. You see, it's here that Isaiah reminds us 
of the greatest gift that God ever gave, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And so often, we forget about that incredible gift. You see, this is that moment as we look at Christmas past for us to to crowd in around the cradle and to see Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want you to watch this video and be reminded of that birth. Isn't that an amazing contrast? To see those words right there by that little baby. And to think that the way that God chose to change the world was through a child. You and I, if we were looking to uproot governments and topple empires and radically change people's lives, probably wouldn't think of a child. This wasn't just any child. This was God's son, Jesus And Isaiah reminds us of the reason that Jesus came because the people were walking in darkness and they needed the light of his love in their life. And Jesus in Matthew 4.13 fulfills his prophecies. He leaves Nazareth and goes to Capernaum by the sea and the people there get to see the Lord of life. Is it any wonder that John starts his gospel with these words in John 1? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. You see, Jesus Christ came to change our lives with His light. He came to light up the darkness so that instead of you and I stumbling through life, we could actually see. So that instead of spending our lives groaning, we could experience His glory. Do you remember the condition of the shepherds when God sent His angels to tell them the good news that a Savior had been born? It says that it was nighttime. They were living in darkness. They were trying to take care of their sheep in the dark and all of a sudden the whole sky 
lit up with the glory of God. Some of you tonight, you're like the shepherds. You're living in the darkness and the despair. Sure, on the outside, things look fine. They don't look great, but you're dressed up and you're putting on a brave face. But inside, there's this decaying in your life. Your marriage is a mess. You feel distant from your kids. And you're wondering, I've spent all of this time pursuing things that people told me would bring life, and yet I feel so empty. And you see, tonight, just as God invited the shepherds to crowd in around the cradle and see the King of Kings, God invites you to come to Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John eight twelve: I am the light of the world, and if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Can I ask you, what are you following today? You see, some of us, we're following Twitter, but not the truth. Some of us, we follow along with Facebook, but we're not really following the Father. Some of us, we're caught up in our fantasy football leagues, and we, we know all of that, and we can say, man, I just can't memorize Scripture, and yet we seem to know all the stats when it comes to football, but none when it comes to God the Father. Some of you today, you're following the stock market. By the way, it's crashing again. You know what it does? Up, down, up, down. You want a constant in your life? Then follow Christ. He is the only constant. You see, it's here that we move from the cradle to the cross as we go from Christmas past to Christmas present. It's here that we see why Jesus Christ came. He was born to die. And most of us, we skip over the very last verse, verse 7 of Isaiah. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Have you ever stopped to think about that statement? The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Make what happen? Make Christmas, make the cross, make the second coming happen. Do you understand as you read through scripture how Satan threw everything he could to derail the plan of God? He slipped into the garden. And he didn't really make it happen there because God prophesied in that moment that Jesus Christ would be the Lamb of God that would come to take away the sin of the world. And he said the snake would strike the heel, but he would crush its head. And he says there about, I will make it happen. Later on, we discover as Satan slithers out of the garden that he tried to annihilate all of the Jews so that Christ couldn't come. We read in the Christmas story when Jesus was just a toddler that he worked in the heart, hard heart of Herod. And he tried to get him to kill Jesus Christ. We read in scripture that that in Jesus as he was in the wilderness was tempted. That Satan tried to sidetrack him from the mission and all the way through the Bible we see the enemy trying to derail the plan. But what does scripture say? The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Not might, not could, not should, but will make this happen. You see, it's here that you and I are reminded that when we take communion, we are partaking of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and of his government. 
And when you and I partake of communion, we need to understand it is an action word that speaks of fellowship. And it also speaks of you and I having all things in common. But when we take communion, we are not having some ceremony to try to remember the death of somebody that we loved. We are celebrating the Lord of life who is alive. So I want to ask you a question. Are you alive tonight or are you just living? You see, there are some of us that we're literally like the walking dead. You feel like a zombie. The last several months of your life, you've been going through the motions without really any emotion and certainly no devotion. And you're worn out and you're weary and you're wondering, is this all that life is? And yet scripture says that Jesus Christ came so that we could have life and have it abundantly so that we could be fully alive. But you see, for some of you tonight, you're dead. You're dead in your sin. And the way that you and I become fully alive is to get honest with God and to admit that we're sinners. And we spend a lot of our life trying to look good, don't we? Instead of just allowing God to love us. And we go around with this judgmental mentality looking for people that are bigger sinners than us because somehow that makes us feel good about ourselves. But the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And if we would confess that sin and cry out for Jesus Christ to save us, we would become his kids. And so I want to ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a point in your life where you've got honest not just with God but with yourself and you have admitted your sin before him and you have cried out for Jesus Christ to save you from your sin because you can't save yourself from your sin. You can't offset your bad sin with good works. And if you've asked Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, you're a child of God. And so Jesus, as he says, remember me, is not just saying to you as a child of God, I want you to think about me. He's saying, I want you to live for me. You see, remembering him means that we are going to be passionate about living for him. And so I want to ask you, are you walking out the good works that God planned or the garbage that Satan planned? Because it's one of two things. You're either walking out the good that God planned or you're walking in the garbage. And if you've been a redeemed child of God, it is time to get out of the pig pen. It's time to quit walking in the garbage that Satan wants to sidetrack you from God's plan and to start walking in the good that he planned for you long ago. And so the question becomes, what are you going to give to Jesus as a present? What are you going to bring to the King of Kings and Lord of of Lords? You ever been there where you're shopping for someone and and you're trying to figure out, man, I really want to get them something really good. But in your mind, you're struggling and you're thinking to yourself, I I really, man, I just don't know if that's going to be good enough. You see, Jesus just wants one thing. He wants your life. The only thing that you and I of any worth can give to Jesus is ourselves. And the question that we have to ask is, are we going to give the Lord our life? Or are we going to give him our leftovers? Life is God's gift to you and I. What we do with it is our gift back to God. But here's the truth. It's hard to celebrate someone's birthday that you don't know. 
And for some of you, you don't really know Jesus. And so tomorrow is going to be Christmas without Christ. Traditions, but no truth. And after we've opened the presents and we've gone through all of the food and everything else and we've got to clean up everything, we're going to go, man, that was just a lot of work because there was no worship. And it's going to feel incredibly empty. You see, it's here as we step from the cross to the crown. The second coming of Jesus Christ that we step from the present into the future. Jesus Christ is coming back. And as you and I think about that, 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. Do you believe that Christ is coming? The second coming of Jesus Christ? As you and I think back to all of the promises and all of the prophecy that had to be fulfilled at the first coming of Jesus Christ, it should cause us to look forward expectantly to the promise of His return. And so I want to ask you, where are you living today? Are you living in the problems or are you living in the promises of God? You see, as we look at the past, the present, and the future, if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, the past should remind us of two things. We're forgiven and our past is forgotten. That is that Jesus Christ chooses to remember no more. So let me ask you, have you admitted before God your sin and been saved? Because if you have, you're not defined by your past and your failure. You're defined by the forgiveness of God the Father. And what a freeing thing to be able to say, not only am I forgiven, it's forgotten. I don't need to keep bringing it up because God's not going to keep bringing it up. And if you and I have really been forgiven and we keep bringing this stuff up, God's going to say, what are you talking about? I choose to remember no more. I don't know what you're talking about. And yet how many of us, we go back and we, we, we mess around in the garbage of guilt. And yet we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. That's the past. The present, here's the reality because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You and I have new life. And the question is, what are we going to do with that life? Because here's the reality, the future. The future is unwritten except for one thing. We win. You got a home in heaven. So let me ask you, what are you going to do with that clean slate? As you follow in his footsteps, watching expectantly for his return. We're going to sing a very familiar song together. And then when it's over, I'm going to come back up and invite us to take communion.